Welcome back, everybody. Podcast in a car. And today, I'm going to talk about coding. Coding? Yeah, coding. That's the opioid that is probably used more than any other opioid in the world. It's a World Health Organization drug, so it's got to be readily available. It has to be accessible vis-a-vis cheap, and it has to be effective. We've known about codeine in one form or another for a millennium, human time. It comes from the poppy, and you get a very low dose of opioid when you have um, just the poppy. But in the 1820s, it was uh, formulated to codeine. Now, what is codeine? Codeine is a direct mu opioid agonist. What that means is it directly sits on the mu opioid receptor and through a few processes no one cares about called G receptor activity, transcription, and that sort of thing. At the cellular level, oop, you get an effect. And that's what we want. That effect is analgesia. But what you also get is baggage. You also can get side effects. So side effects can be Nausea, constipation, vomiting, little tiny pupils if you take too much, sedation, of course, dependency. You get hooked on the stuff. And uh, overdose is real. Uh, you know, it can be toxic. So how how is that possible? It's coding. It's just kind of one of those drugs that's out there, and it's pretty common, and I don't hear much about it. Well, coding is metabolized. And by those pathways, the P450 pathways, one is 2D6, one is 3A. It's, it's not important except for the fact that 2D6 can have rapid and slow metabolizers. So codeine might have uh, a variable way it works, in quotes, air quotes, um, depending on your not only activity, your liver activity, the way you get rid of drugs, and what happens to the codeine? What happens to it? Well, codeine is metabolized to Mr. Morphine. That's correct. It's also metabolized to one of the uh, mildly active forms of metabolized morphine, M6. And that's thrown off by glucuronidation, which is a way it gets rid of drugs. And uh, it goes away sometimes in the kidney. But th- the point is this, that morphine's potent. Codeine's not that potent, and so it turns itself into kind of a potent drug. Is that important? Oh, yeah, of course it is, because uh, this this drug is kind of a precursor to a standard. I, I, I guess you could call it a pro-drug. I don't know. It's In my opinion, it's kind of a, one of those gray areas. Morphine is the gold standard. Morphine milligram equivalents. That's how we look at the world right now, where morphine is one. That is the standard, the gold standard. All drugs are pretty much put against morphine. Oh, it's two times more potent. It's four times more potent. Oh, it's a fraction of morphine, like tramadol, one thirtieth. And you know, here's here's coding. And it's transformed to Mr. Morphine. And we now have 
uh, an active drug. Well, all right, this is the thing. When you have a responsible prescriber and you being the consumer, you want to know what's going to happen, what's going on, and what this drug is going to do to me. Well, it, it's, it's effective in acute and chronic pain. Not necessarily chronic because it's just not that potent in it. You have to take it kind of, a lot of it, around the clock. And uh, usually for the pain relief uh, types of formulations, it's got, code, or it's got uh, acetaminophen with it, which um, is a little rough on the liver in fairly high doses, or those that have hepatitis or are infirmed. So, um, yeah, and so this experienced provider is going to do what we call adherence monitoring. They're going to be looking at any opioid or controlled substance, they should anyway, uh, by processes. And those processes include, of course, pill counts, you check, make sure you're not overtaking, undertaking. We don't need quite as much, we'll cut back. Uh, Oh, you're taking too many, what's going on? Uh, And don't get me talking about uh, uh, another topic called pseudotolerance. We'll talk about that later. But... Here we have a drug that we will do drug screens on because it's an opioid. That's what we do. It's, it's, it's the relationship we have with patients. It's built on trust. The, the provider-patient relationship is that trust. And when we're prescribing drugs that have consequences, like an opioid, pure mu opioid agonist, that's what we call it, just like morphine, oxycodone, hydrocodone, etc. We're going to drug test people. It's just the way it is. It's not that we're thinking you're a, quote, drug addict. No, it's what we do. It's how we monitor compliance. If you're taking it, if you're not taking it, are you taking it with um, other medications that we're worried about, like benzodiazepines and the like. So what we can see then is with experience eyes no problems yeah we see codeine and what else morphine right so in your drug test you see codeine and morphine because codeine is metabolized to morphine hello there it is that's okay inexperienced eyes are going to say wait a minute what's going on here are you taking morphine too well no sir no ma'am well okay Look at the converse of that. Can morphine go to codeine? No. That's real. If you see morphine as a prescription, that's the expected drug, and you see codeine kind of hanging out too, that's a problem. And we'll respond accordingly. We won't call you a drug addict. We won't be thinking, oh, my gosh, we've got to throw you out of the clinic. No, no. And today's world we've got to think how can we find a remedy to make this right and in the patient's best interest safety first and to do the right thing for the right reasons heard that before haven't you so okay so that's the deal um we have a drug that's a world health organization drug it's ubiquitous it's all over the world You'd expect it to be utilized, and it is. Uh, and it's one of the most commonly prescribed drugs in the world. It's 
the uh, drug that's easy to get and easy to make. It's the one that uh, has been around for a long time, so we know the drug. Familiarity with the drug, particularly a controlled substance, is a, a cornerstone of comfort for you and for us, the prescriber. We want to know what it's going to do, and we know coding. Okay, let me let me give you a sidebar. Let me give you a little a, a little personal input here as I'm going through a uh, construction zone. Woo! It's <laughs> a little sporty. Um, well, I don't really like it for what I do. It might be good for chronic pain, and of course, you've heard about it used for coughs. Uh, you've heard it used for various other purposes. And you might hear people say, I'm allergic to it. Well, why? Because I itch. No, it's a histamine release, most likely. It's not an allergy. Talk it over with your healthcare provider, okay? It's, it's a, an expected side effect, most likely. And people itch a lot with that drug. They're scratching their nose. They're scratching the hither lens. They're scratching everywhere. And it's usually going to go away, or you can take an antihistamine like uh, diphenhydramine, which is Benadryl, uh, something like that. Um, but it causes a lot of nausea, too. And if I buy cleaner drugs that don't have a lot of acetaminophen over time that I can use predictably over time, that's readily available, that's not that expensive, and it's generic, etc. Um, did I say oxycodone, hydrocodone? Um, yeah. I mean, and we even have morphine available as generic that isn't quite as um, troublesome with certain patient populations. I'm not saying you shouldn't try this drug. I mean, it is a good drug. Uh, it's one of those stalwarts, and I I use it. I just personally don't. I, I'm just not in love, and I'm definitely not in lust with this drug. There are other drugs that have a real smooth profile. They have a pharmacokinetically long-acting version or an extended release, as some people call it. They have abuse deterrent technologies. They have, I mean, they're just other choices. And this thing, uh, this thing was around basically um, at the Spanish-American War. <laughs> it was around um, before the Civil War. It's been around, and... It's fine. It's fine to use, but I don't think it's anywhere close to a long-term drug. Okay, so that's pretty much coding. I don't. Um, I don't really think that it's a bad idea to try it. If you're prescribed, don't um, take some errant podcast like this and say, "Well, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't sound like the ideal drug." I'm telling you, there's some people. You know, like, there's some lollops, little old ladies in pain, for example, love them to death. Uh, that's their drug. They they don't have Darvacet anymore, which is Darvon, uh, and it was taken off the market, ridiculously so, but they don't have some of the other meds, and this is kind of a darling to them, and they like it, so... Keep it in the armamentarium. Rule four, know thy drugs. This is one of the opioids that's great with certain patient populations, but know the patient population. Okay, well, um, listen, uh, I have a YouTube channel, Pain Information. Um, great 
if you could take a little gander there uh, and uh, let me know. Leave comments. Let me hear from you. Leave uh, stars on iTunes or Pod Page uh, and uh, help me rank. That'd be really great if you'd uh, rate the show here and YouTube. I'm um, not exactly paralleling with YouTube. I'm going to develop that as a personality um, mission of mine to hopefully get people feeling more comfortable with healthcare providers in these difficult fields like pain management. And I'm doing it to um, be not only informational, it's not medical advice, this isn't either, but it's something that I think is needed and it needs, needs to be niched for that stuff. So, anyway, thanks and. Um, I'm uh, getting close to Publix, so I'll run in Publix, and I'll talk to you next time. Bye.